Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. The sermon text is the Gospel reading. You may be seated. In the name of Jesus, we confess in the Creed, I believe in the forgiveness of sins. Forgiveness. Forgiveness. That's why we are here this evening. That's why we come to church. Forgiveness. Not self-help. Not 12 steps to the good life. Not five ways to take your marriage to the next level. Not basic instruction before leaving earth. Bible. <laughs> forgiveness. Forgiveness. That's why we come to church. Behold the forgiveness factory pumping out forgiveness like there's no tomorrow. And this forgiveness actually uh, gives us a tomorrow and another day and another all the way to eternity through this life, through death, into the resurrection and everlasting life. Just as uh, Marty Luther says in the small catechism, where there is the forgiveness of sins, there is life and salvation. The bottom line this evening, folks, is that Jesus doesn't want us to see him as the fixer-upper guy, but rather as the forgiver guy. The forgiver guy. That's J.C. Jesus the Christ. But we so often want to see Jesus as the guy who fixes all the complaints of all his dear saints, which is really no different than the friends of Mr. Paralytic in the Gospel reading. Oh, yeah. Let's uh, put ourselves in the flippy-floppies of the friends of the paralytic, shall we? You have this friend, Mr. Paralytic. Uh, he can't walk. Thank you, Pastor Obvious. <laughs> yeah, he hasn't been able to use his legs for years. Every morning he wakes up and he puts on a hat. A hat that says, professional beggar. See, he's damaged goods. No one wants him. McDonald's won't hire him. Spencer's in the mall won't hire him. He's left to sit on the side of the road and survive on the mercy and the compassion and the kindness of strangers, of others. And of course, you, his friend, if you have a really big din-din, you put the leftovers in a doggy bag, and you give it to him. But you are not made of money. There's only so much help that you can give, Mr. Paralytic. But then one day, you hear that Jesus is in town. Everyone has heard the stories. He fixes eyes. He fixes ears. He fixes mouths. He fixes you fill in the blank. There is no 
become too big for Jesus, the fixer-upper guy. So once you hear that Jesus is in town, your entire schedule changes. You drop everything that you were doing. Priority number one is to get your friend, Mr. Paralytic, to Jesus. Now, you can't do it on your own. He's not a very big guy, but, you know, you can't carry him all by your lonesome. So you pick up the phone, and you call some buds, some friends, and it's go time. You bring your friend to Mr. Paralytic. Verses 1 and 2 of the Gospel reading. And getting into a boat, he crossed over and came to his own city. And behold, some people brought to him a paralytic, lying on a bed. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven. Oh, um, it's, is that it, Jesus? Forgiveness? That's all you're going to give, Mr. Paralytic? We went through all this work to bring our guy, our friend, whose legs don't work to you, and this is all you're dishing out? Forgiveness? Seems like a waste of our time. Why in the world did we go through all this work? Now the friends of the paralytic, not happy campers, the scribes are even more angry, nostrils flared angry. They have blood in their eyes. Verse 3, And behold, some of the scribes said to themselves, This man is blaspheming. The scribes are angry because they think that Jesus is playing G-O-D, God. Who does this guy think he is? Only God can forgive sins. Jesus has no authority to say, your sins are forgiven. I forgive you. Here is a first commandment breaker. Shame, shame, shame. Well, Jesus, of course, he can read their thoughts. Nothing hidden from Jesus. So he tackles their accusation with a question. Verses 4 and 5. But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Why do you think evil in your hearts? For which is easier to, to say, Your sins are forgiven? Or to say, Rise and walk? How would you answer that question? Which is easier? If I were in the flippy floppies, the shoes of the scribes, here's how I would answer. Uh, no brainer, Jesus, come on. This is a softball question. Obviously, I forgive you. Easier. Ain't provable. Get up and walk? That's a lot harder. Telling our friend, the friend, the Mr. Paralytic guy here, telling him to get up and walk much harder. Words are cheap. Actions, priceless. I think often we can be in that boat. Jesus, come on. Less talky, talky, talky. More doing. Be more relevant in my life, Jesus. Roll up your sleeves and fix that which is broken in my life. That's a cinch for you, Jesus, right? I mean, you're God. 
You hold the smallest particle and the biggest object in the universe and everything in between. You hold it all. My life, all that's going wrong with it, you can fix it. It's easy peasy for you, God. Dear friends, we all have a laundry list of problems that we want fixed. And those problems, we think, are the harder things for Jesus to do. Jesus, fix my busted brain. Jesus, fix my debilitating disease. Jesus, fix my fractured, fighting, feuding family. Jesus, fix my messy marriage. Jesus, fix my addiction. Jesus, fix my bumps and bruises. Jesus, fix my job. Jesus, fix my finances. Jesus, fix my life. Even if Jesus fixes every complaint of every one of his saints, we're still going to die. We're still going to die. All the people that Jesus fixed during his earthly ministry, they died. Even those men, those those, those guys, he, he raised from the dead, like Mr. Lazarus, still died. If, with a wave of a hand, Jesus fixes our marriages, we're still going to die one day. If Jesus fixes our mental illnesses, we're still going to die one day. If Jesus fixes our bumps and bruises, every ache and pain, we're still going to die one day. If Jesus fixes our finances, our money problems, we're still going to die one day. If Jesus fixes our bossy bosses and our cold, calculating co-workers, we're still going to die one day. And when that day comes, we will stand before the judgment seat. In that moment, the only thing that's truly going to matter, dear friends, is whether we made good use of his forgiveness right here, right now. No matter what we think is the biggie problem in our lives that needs a fixing, nothing, nothing comes close to our problem with S-I-N, sin. See, leaving this world, leaving this earth with sin on our backs, our sin on our backs, hellaciously dangerous. It will kill us, crush us, condemn us forever. And that's so unnecessary. So unnecessary. Why? Well, Jesus binds himself to our biggest 
problem, sin, and dies as the beggar king, so that now there's no condemnation. For us who are forgiven, freely, fully, forever forgiven. Listen to this question again from Jesus, Matthew 9, 5. For which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven, or to say rise and walk? What's the answer? Which is easier? To fix Mr. Paralytic. To send Mr. Paralytic home walking on his own two legs. And Jesus does that, right? He speaks words, and it works. Verses 5 through 7. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he then said to the paralytic, Rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose and went home. But to speak words of forgiveness to Mr. Paralytic, to Mr. Sheon, to Mrs. Pyle, to Miss the Debbie, to Mr. Taglauer, to Miss Patron, to Mr. Brayman, to all of us. For him to speak those words of forgiveness, where did Jesus have to go? Golgotha, right? The Friday we call good. Think for a moment how much forgiveness cost Jesus. See, Jesus did not have to take flesh and blood from the womb of Mama Mary, the Virgin Mary, to heal Mr. Paralytic, to heal Mr. Blindbart, to heal Mr. Lazarus, to heal Miss Mary Magdalene. I mean, look at the OT, the Old Testament. Through the words, the words, the words of the prophets, Jesus heals. Leprosy loses. Sickness sent packing. Death. Running for the hills. Jesus did not become man to be fixer-upper guy. I mean, think about his ministry. Many times when Jesus heals a bloke, what does he say? Shh, 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 shh. Keep this to yourself. Don't tweet this. Don't go on social media and tell the world. Don't knock on the doors of your neighbors and spill the beans. Shh, shh, keep this to yourself. No, it never worked. Ha, 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 it never worked. But he kept trying, right? Jesus did not want the label Mr. Fixer Upper Guy. Because he has bigger fish to fry. Way bigger fish. And that fish spelled S-I-N, sin. Your sin and mine. Becoming sin, your sin and mine, when he had no sin of his own. 
bearing the world's sin all the way to Calvary, that tree of the cross, being killed, condemned, in your place, in mine, bringing the hellacious death that we deserved under the law of God, the Holy Ten Commands, upon himself, bleeding, breathing his last, buried. But he did not breathe his last, did he? There's Easter morning, baby. Jesus freshly resurrected from the dead on Easter morning in both body and soul. And on that first Easter, now living, risen, he breathes in, fills his lungs with air, and he breathes out. He speaks. He fills our ears with words, words of forgiveness. This is why Jesus went through hell literally for you and for me, so that he could stand in front of us at 303 Ruth Street, every divine service, and say, take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven. Take heart, my daughter, your sins are forgiven. Take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven. Take heart, my daughter, your sins are forgiven. Take heart, GLC, your sins are forgiven. See, it's here at church where we meet the forgiver guy. The forgiver guy who proclaims pardon that can't ever lie so that we now have peace, peace, peace in life and most especially when we die. Jesus is the forgiver guy that we need more than anything else. Don't ever get tired of his forgiveness. Don't ever, ever lose that hunger and thirst for his forgiveness. His forgiveness is what we need more than anything else in all creation. Even, even oxygen. Even a really cold beer after you know, mowing the lawn. Even the Lions winning the Super Bowl. We need his forgiveness more than anything else in all of the universe. And we know where to find it. His forgiveness ain't a secret. I believe in the forgiveness of sins. We know where to find it. 303 Ruth Street, baby. Behold the forgiveness factory pumping out more forgiveness than we have sinned. Forgiveness that washes over you. Forgiveness that's preached into you. Forgiveness that is put into you with his body and his blood all for you. And one day, one day, you and I will experience the final fruit of this forgiveness. This Jesus who forgave you all of these years, and you believed it, you believed in him, will stand upon this earth, and he will say, rise. Yes, you, rise. Rise. Pick up your bed. You're coming home with me. And you will walk out of your grave, resurrected in both body and soul. And you'll have Jesus by your side. And he will lead you all the way home. He'll lead you right into the Father's home. And what a home it will be. The best home ever. In that home, 
Everything, everything that's broken and busted and bleeding in this world, fixed forever. Jesus will fix everything one day. But first, but first, but first, forgiveness. Take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven. Take heart, my daughter, your sins are forgiven. Take heart, my daughter, your sins are forgiven. Take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven. Take heart, GLC, your sins are forgiven. First things first. Come soon, Lord Jesus. Amen.